my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to have bring to you a really special podcast edition uh, with none other than Dr. Kevin Lynn. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Greenwood, and uh, I'm so happy to be here and uh, you know talk about a lot of things. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we are uh, we are on the on the cusp of a momentous occasion, um, and so we're, we're, we'll announce it here on the podcast. And so, the, since this will be launching on September first, um, Doctor Lin has been named um, the interim department head for Experience Industry Management. Um, we in the department are very very excited. Um, we all love Dr. Lin, and um, and I'm going to call him Kevin today, even though we know students call him Dr. Lin. Um, but uh, uh, we're we're just uh, really excited, Kevin. You know that um, we've been friends and colleagues for a long time, and um, I hope you know how much I think of you um, as a leader, as a scholar, as a teacher, as a friend, as a colleague. As a mentor, uh, you know, uh, all all of those things, and so uh, we're super excited, Kevin. Great, thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. And uh, um, it's this is brand new experience for me, but uh, I just I really the, the the welcome, the support I receive from from you and all the other colleagues. Just it's just awesome and such awesome department as well. Like I'm so lucky, fortunately to work with all of you. 100%. And we have a, we have a really great team in place and um, we're going to keep working to build that team and, um, and keep working to expand, learn by doing here at Cal Poly. And another really exciting thing that we should, um, that we should talk about um, and that we will get into a little bit more as we move along is um, the official opening of our Experience Innovation Lab this fall. We had the kickoff uh, uh, last spring, um, the, the opening of the building, but our lab wasn't technically open at that point. So uh, uh, Dr. Lynn spent a sabbatical uh, last spring, many of you know, um, touring the world and looking at other labs. And we are super excited about the Experience Innovation Lab. Dr. Lynn will will talk to us uh, much more about that. And then we're also going to have a podcast with Dr. Uh, Sandy Shin, who will tell us uh, even more about it. Let's go back in time uh, first, Kevin, and um, tell everyone where you grew up. Yeah, of course. Uh, I grew up in a small town in China um, called Handan. It's about three, four hours drive from Beijing, the capital. Uh, it's a, I, I said it's a small town, but we had like eight million people in in, in Handan. Yeah, but it's like a small town in China. Right, um, right. Well, well, by comparison, I grew up in a small town that was ten thousand. Right. Uh, <laughs> you grew up in a small town that was eight million. That's really yeah, bad, yeah, Kevin. yeah, yeah. Wow. Indeed. Like back then, it was like eight million people. Now it's probably ten million. Yeah. Uh, but it's a you know, it's a relatively um, kind of um, compared to Beijing. Like the right. cap- capital is like really quiet and uh, you know, uh, like a almost has has like a rural feeling um so yeah so i spent my first 19 years of my life in there and uh i right. absolutely loved it 
Right. I love it. That's really, that's really wild. So tell us um, a little bit more. You said um, Handan, is that right? Yes. H-A-N-D-A-N. Handan. Yeah. Handan. Yeah. Um, Tell us what, what, what you were like, what did you get into? Like, what was, uh, you said it was a little more rural, but uh, it's hard for us. uh, uh, It's hard for, for we Americans to, to kind of, or for for some of us who didn't grow up in, in China, I should say, um, to, uh, to picture 8 million people being rural. So um, explain that a little bit more to us and then, and then tell us about uh, what you were like, like, what was your jam? What did you get into? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so I would say, you know, it's still a little bit more urban than slow or, you know, a Tascadero, but, you know, compared right. to other places in China, uh, it's a really, again, it's a small town. People were really kind of kind and close to each other, especially in the neighborhood. And everyone knew each other. Like I okay. play with my neighbors, kids like all the time. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, like, Back then, uh, after school, we just uh, we go out and we just play with other kids. Right. Uh, and then I love sports back then. Um, and then we had a kind of small field in our neighborhood. And then mm-hmm. I'll just kind of go play soccer with my friends. Uh, uh, that's like my kind of go-to memory when I think about my old days in the neighborhood, like just play yeah. soccer with my friends. Just playing soccer with friends. So, yeah. so tell me, tell me this, Kevin, this is what I'm, well, this is what I'm picturing. You know, I hear, um, I hear SoCal natives, you know, um, down, down in LA, in the LA area in particular, talk about like, yeah, there's millions and millions of people in the LA area, but my small little neighborhood feels like a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, would you compare the difference between um, where you grew up almost like that LA feel, whereas Beijing is more like the New York city, like skyscrapers and very, very dense. Yeah. I urban, think urban, whereas, you know, LA is like so spread out um, that it feels more rural in some places. Right. Is yeah, that I, what I, I, I like that comparison. Like for me, like those big cities, like pe- people are not that close with each other. Like they, Although they live right next to each other, but they don't talk to each other. Their, their kids don't yeah. play with each other. Like that's the ur- urban, like in my mind, uh, yeah. the rural feeling is like people like just kind of hang out with each other. They're so close. They're so kind. They help each other out. Yeah. Um, so that's my impression. I love it. I love it. That's so yeah. cool. I, I love, I love, um, I love hearing that. So l- let's talk about what did you, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Yeah, good question. Uh, my mom was a, a kindergarten teacher, um, so that really that was really helpful. And I actually went to the kindergarten my mom was working at. Um, so yeah, I loved it. And then my my father worked at a state factory, um, so pretty stable job. And then yeah, it's all good. Love it. Well, that opens up. That opens up like uh, that. Just like opens up the world to me, Kevin, because you know all the best people in the world had uh are are those who had moms who were kindergarten teachers <laughs> you know i just when I, when I think about kindergarten teachers i think about like the nicest kindest people in the world you know yep. you have to like, is, uh, yeah you yeah. know, kids are going off to school for the first time and it's such a formative time. And uh, yeah. that is really awesome to picture that and, and think about that. What about siblings? Do you have any siblings? Kevin? Uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I was the only child. Only child. Uh, no, I wish I had 
siblings because now I have two kids. Like I yeah. see that you know they play with each other all the time. They have so Ooh, much fun. Love uh, it. But on the other hand, um, you know. Back then, most of us were only yeah. a child, and then yeah. we just play with each other. You know, as I mentioned, yeah. like, we just go out and play soccer. I yeah. felt like a huge family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm the only child. Yeah, sounds like you had just a vibrant neighborhood where you were able to almost get that uh, that brother sister bond with with other kids in the neighborhood. I just love exactly. I just love picturing that, Kevin. <laughs> that warms my heart to think about that. Um, sure. Said soccer was was your jam as you started yep. to get a little bit older. You know, everyone uh, kind of has that vision of the of a dream job. Do you remember a dream job growing up? Uh yeah, of course. Um, so one dream job I had was actually related to soccer. I wanted to become a professional soccer player. You did, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember and, you uh, saying that. Yeah, earlier. I was even the captain of the soccer team back in uh high school, and then I was also on the university varsity soccer team. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I really wanted to kind of pursue. a a career in that area but of course like no that 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 didn't pan out right. uh and in the meantime i was like really into um computer games as well uh-huh. back then so my other dream job was to become a pro professional gamer yeah. um, you know back then it was not big and uh, it was not financially like feasible um but now i think it will be a better time to dive into that uh that realm of things um but uh yeah i i didn't really have any like huge ambitions back then you know i did not i didn't grow up to become like really want to become like a professor or like scientist or anything like that um i just i was really interested in in sports um both physical sports and esports so that was my passion and then like my all my dreams were center around you know sports yeah love it love it so let's talk about um uh, the the transition to those formative years you mentioned um college and, and thinking about college um first of all tell us tell us what it's like in in, in china is it is it similar to um uh, to here in the united states in terms of college where you know um Everyone's talking about like what college you're going to get into and where you're going to go and all of that. Um, tell us what that was like for you. Yeah, I would say it's definitely similar uh, in that uh, it's just such important thing stage of your life. And then people, your parents, they really care about where you study and then you just kind of started so hard. Uh, uh, but in the meantime, uh, you know, there's this one exam uh, it's called college entrance exam in china uh, right. that exam kind of determines everything mm-hmm. uh, but here in the united states like there are other factors that play like your your gpa other things you do and then so it's like a whole package but but in china it's like a one-time deal like you do well in that exam you might get into a really good college you you don't do well although you might have other experiences um, but you just cannot go to the college of your dream school. Uh, so I did relatively well. Um, so I got into a pretty pretty good school, Beijing International Studies University. Yeah. Um, so that because back then I was really interested in foreign culture. I just I want to go out there and see the world because uh, I watch movies and TV shows. I love just kind of getting to know the other side of the world, yeah. uh, how people behave. 
Um, just it just so fascinating. Yeah. For me, yeah. So I wanted to go awesome. to a university that is kind of rich in that exchange program. Right. Um, so I applied, and then I I got in. So that really opened up my eyes. Uh, like I had roommates from other parts of China. I uh, I met with international students at Beijing International Study University. Talked to them, hang out with them, play sports with them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just kind of that kind of give me the first idea of I might want to. Go abroad. I want to go to another country, study, and even work. And yeah, love it. That's really cool. What did you What did you study? Did, was it Was it international studies or what? what um. Was? So yeah. So I had a few choices. Um. But um. So I could either pick like a particular language, like Italian, Arabic, uh, or German, or I can pick a subject matter, like tourism management or international trade. Um, so I ended up picking uh, tourism management. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I didn't know much about it, but I right. found it's a cool idea, right? It, you, I, I love going abroad. I love going to new places and tourism management. That's like the perfect fit. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so, uh, what about your parents? Were they initially supportive of this of this um, this uh, path? Yeah, they. Um, I can say I. I have been pretty independent throughout my, you know, high school years. Um, they were really supportive and they trusted in me. So awesome. Whichever decision I make, like they were a hundred percent behind me. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. So tell us a little bit more about your time in school, right? So we can kind of visualize what it was like and and what you were like, right? Um, uh, were you were you active and engaged? And it was was it a was there learn by doing? What were um were there professional development experiences? What was what were some of the highlights? A hundred percent, yes. Um, so I'm really glad that I. Uh, really engaged uh, in a lot of those extracurricular activities back then. Right. Um, like I, I, I'm like part of the reason I chose Cal Poly was to learn by doing because back in my college years I did the same thing. I learned by doing. I went to so many trade shows. I worked at so many of those trade shows, my yeah. other things, and I just learned so much. And it was a lot of fun for me as well. Uh, I still remember the first not for like probably the second trade show i did uh um it's like a two-day gig and then the first day um i didn't have lunch until like 4 p.m yeah. and then that, i like everything was really exciting i just yeah. went from places to places talked to people yeah. uh i you know didn't feel the the hunger in me until 4 p.m like yeah it was like you've been like working all day like yeah. Take a break. And that's <laughs> when I, I, I realized that this is an exciting industry. Like I feel yeah. passionate. I love it. And I lost track of time. Um, so yeah, I use this, this example in my classes. That, uh, like I just want to encourage people to really go out there, try things to see if you love it or if you hate it. Um, you know, you have nothing to lose. You try all different things. Like even within the experience industry, you can try event planning. You can try um, hotels. You can try you know DMOs, DMCs. You know all different things. And yeah. then you make a decision out of those you know five internships. You know you might like this particular uh, job 
better and then you can kind of pursue further and that would really save you a lot of time you don't want to make that decision you know 10 years after graduation exactly i yeah. i really love that and i love i love hearing um Kevin, for for those who who don't know, Kevin is an expert on conventions and trade shows, and um, and he has um has risen to his current position. Um, that's been his specialty area, and um, and so I just love hearing that you were like right away an undergraduate, you were getting experience in trade shows, and um, I, I guess I should have asked you, and I, I think you actually said so. Uh, school was in Beijing, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, what better place in the world, right? For conventions yep. and trade shows. I imagine there's like uh, lots and lots and lots of opportunities there in Beijing, eh? Pretty much. Uh, every week there are trade shows, conferences in Beijing, and then our universities, uh, our universities probably is the one of the best uh, mm-hmm. in terms of event planning, convention meeting management. And then yeah. we have a lot of connections and we got asked all the time and then I get to make some money. I remember I was paid maybe 100 RMB per day or maybe 150 per day. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's not a lot, but it's, it's good for me. Uh, like I try to be kind of financially independent, pay for my own things. So uh-huh. that was another driver that I really want to work at a lot of those gigs. I love that. I love that. So, so tell us, um, that that's a good segue. Um, did you have an internship and, and, um, and if so, tell us about what that experience was like. Yeah. Um, so, um, I like we at Beijing International Studies University, we did not need to have an internship to graduate. Um, so that's not part of the curriculum, but I still, um, I got an internship because, uh, back then I needed the, money <laughs> to pay for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, in my senior year, I have decided to go abroad. I applied. Uh, and then at that time, I knew that I'm going to go abroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the meantime, I need to make some money uh, yeah. to pay for my flights and my other thing, tuition. Uh, and in the, in the meantime, I need I want to kind of go out there and just see what's going on, like just uh, professional workplace, how people like behave and work on real project and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I had quite a few interviews, uh, of course, a few with, you know, event planning companies, uh, tourism management companies. Uh, and then also I tried other um, companies as well. Like um, I did an, an interview with a real estate company, uh-huh. uh, one of the largest real estate company in Beijing or in China at the time. Yeah. And then I got in and then I ended up working for them because they pay me the most. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was basically uh, working for them in terms of um, data analytics, like they have a few properties, and then I was helping them with some infographics back then. Right. Um, yeah. So, of course, that's helpful uh, for my own profession as well, because data right. analytics, that's something I do right now. Right. Um, but it's more about opening my eyes to s- just how people work in, in you know, their offices, uh, talk to clients, um, and just um, how to uh, work with your colleagues, how to interact with your boss. And then just, mm-hmm. I definitely learned quite a lot. I bet. I bet. That was really cool. So most people coming out of a, a, a college situation, you know, not 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 100% sure, right? And you, yeah. and you just talked to us about, you know, dabbling in real estate there and, and <laughs> yeah, whatnot. 
Yeah. Uh, tell us what your goals were from a professional um, standpoint. And in addition to real estate, um, and, and you mentioned study abroad, like um, when did when did that happen? How did um, how long did you stay in real estate? That sort of thing. Yeah. So that internship was only three months long. Um, yeah. But I made some good money from that three month long internship. Uh, and then right after the internship, I was on a flight um, to to U.S. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so basically I applied for probably eight universities in the United States all centered around uh, event planning, event management. Yeah. Um, and then I got offers from, I believe, four of them. And then uh, one of them offered me money, uh, like scholarship. So, yeah. and yeah. that's the one I went to, and that's Chico State. Okay, there you go. So yeah. that's what that's what brought you to California. You became, became a, a California kid for a little while, right? Yep. So tell us what that was like. Um, I imagine you did some traveling in in the states as well, but um, but let let's focus on Chico. I mean, talk about a small town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's compared to that's my like first experience in U.S. Uh, yeah. Chico. I I loved it. It's a real I. Personally, I think it's a really authentic town. Uh, I agree. It's I a, go, yeah. a small town as well. People there are so nice. Uh, I remember one student there. I believe his name is John. Uh, yeah. And then he uh, picked me up from the airport and uh, um, took me to a pizza place downtown. And then this, I had so many questions for him and he was being so nice. He even took me to a party a few days later, like American college <laughs> party. That was my first experience as well, because I only saw those uh, scenes from movies and then, yeah. you know, so yeah. surreal to be there in person. Right. You had probably seen Animal House. Did you have these, did you see Animal House or not? Uh, no, but uh, I, which so one? I remember like American Pie. That's like, among other things so it wasn't yeah. quite like that but it was uh it was it was uh it was so so let's let's back up just one second kevin because we didn't yeah. we didn't address this when did you first start studying um english yeah good question um we started um back in i believe maybe sixth grade oh, um, okay. um yeah but then i was just really interested in, in in the language but more importantly like in the culture i i love watching movies i love watching tv shows yeah. uh like friends that's my all-time favorite <laughs> oh um, really yeah that's yeah cool. I, that is so cool yeah central, i learned central a Park, lot of right? like uh words and phrases from from friends mm -hmm. uh and then i love watching movies um just all the hollywood movies and um i think that kind of give me the like first expression and impression of usa and then i yeah I and mean, expression was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. impression and expression like, yeah yeah and then I i'll of, be back <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um so yeah and then i wanted to come here like when i was that's very cool. young and then um so that's the kind of got planted way planted. way back Right. That's cool. That's cool. Well, tell us a little bit more about the experience at Chico. So you talked about uh, getting off the plane and, and what great people. And I agree. My my short time in Chico, I, I really loved it. Um, 
but you know, um, I still imagine it's pretty big. It's a pretty big shock, right? To to yeah. be uh, to be living in a different place, and and a, 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 I don't want to say uh, uh, a real small town, but a, a much smaller yeah. uh, town than you were used to. What was that like? And and no. uh, and tell us about that transition and what you were studying and what you were doing during that time. Yeah. So. First of all, I guess I I was really lucky. Um, my advisor, um, Dr. Fletcher, he was super nice. Uh, and then he also he runs a lab there as well. I was basically his lab assistant, so yeah. I worked on so many projects back then um, that kind of give me the exposure experience in like data analytics, some other things, writing reports, uh, and then my master. Um, Co- colleagues and they were super nice as well um they were all american students uh, mm-hmm. but they took me to you know their parties and they um, showed me around town they they have cars and they took me to get gro- groceries and other things oh, um so cool. just overall i was surrounded by really nice people that they um kind of took care of me and then yeah. in terms of the classes um they were great um uh, but i found them not so challenging. So I was having fun and learning a lot of stuff with all the professors there. Uh, and then of course, with the project with Dr. Fletcher. So I felt like I learned so much back in my Chico years. Right. I love it. That's great. So, you know, a lot of people who pursue graduate education, um, a, a master's degree, the, the vast majority are doing that to propel themselves into a professional career, right? Yep. Um, at what point did you decide that you maybe wanted to go on and get a PhD and and become a professor? Yeah, good question. I would say two reasons. One uh, would be the encouragement from my professors back then. Yeah. So my uh, advisor, Dr. Fletcher, and then a few other professors in the department and they kind of saw the the research uh, skills in me and then they encouraged me to explore that possibility yeah. uh, and in the meantime just you know frankly speaking back then 2010 uh, that's right after the financial crisis oh, that's and, right. uh, yeah. yeah it was kind of hard to find a job and I was thinking you know I can, you know, get a PhD degree and then just wait out this economic crisis. So right. that's another reason why I applied. Uh, yeah. And then at that time, I was really targeted. I talked to a few people and then uh, the, the, the people at Penn State, I talked to them and then they loved me. I loved them. And then so I, that's the only university I reached out to. I applied and then I yeah. I got in. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love it. So so tell us um tell us about that that um uh that transition, right? And, and PhD. We won't get into too much of the PhD because that might bore the pants off of uh <laughs> off of the folks. Um, but you know, you went from um a small town in Chico to um another small town, <laughs> but one that's immersed in like big college culture right Football yeah exactly and everything else so, exactly um so what was that like and, and um maybe we can insert this is this where you met is that where you met autumn uh no i actually met my wife uh when i was in china uh at an internship so 
Oh. Both of us, we were at an internship in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. Um, so that's how we met. Yeah. Mm. So like back in 20, 2007. Oh, and so y'all yeah. stayed in touch and then. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I came to the, to the States back in 2008 and then yeah. she came uh, in 09. In 09. Okay, yeah. awesome. Very cool. I wasn't sure about that. Um, so, so tell us what it was like. Uh, did, did you go to a Penn State football game? That's what we'll hundred percent. Yeah. What was that? hundred like? percent. Yeah. I, um, I wasn't all like, uh, it's, uh, it's new for me because Chico, uh, football was not too big. No. Um, so, but when I got to Penn State, uh, like that's, that's like, a religion, I almost want to say. Um, and then I was in awe and I loved it. Uh, of course, I love sports and uh, I just love going there. I was rooting for Penn State. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do too well while well, I was there, uh, but but still. And I had quite a few uh, football players in my class. Uh, and then I just <laughs> talked to them and asked a few questions. I was really curious about their lives. Yeah. Um, but o- overall, that was a really awesome experience. And that's how I got into watching college football i still watch and i yeah. still root for penn state yeah um, right on yeah nittany yeah. lions i love it i love it yeah well, well let's talk about this kevin um you know it, I, I think it's really interesting because i i remember back when we were recruiting you and um you know event planning as a academic discipline it, it is still relatively new right sure. like we've had um We've had a program for almost for 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 over thirty years now, mm-hmm. but in terms of uh, an academic discipline, in terms of um, you know dissertations and high level research and that sort of thing, one of the things that really stood out for us with you was that you were helping to almost lead that, right? You were a mm-hmm. part of this like next generation of event management scholars that yep. were taking it to the next level. And that's what impressed yep. us so yep. much about you. And so can you talk about what that was like in a, in an academic discipline? Because I know you, you've you told me before that event management is very big in China, right? And, um, yeah. and so yeah. talk to us about that. Yeah, and then I... I- I would say that uh, it all started back in my junior year. Um, so I started um, in the uh, tourism department, uh, tourism management department. And then junior year, we had to pick a concentration, just, just like here at Cal Poly, you know, you have to pick a concentration. And then back then, uh, I had three choices. Uh, it's tourism management, uh, hospitality management, and event management. Yeah. Um, so I was like, uh, the other two were more established, uh, tourism, hospitality, they've been there forever yeah. and event was relatively new, uh, even in China. Yeah. So I, okay. you know, I wanted to try this new concentration. And then at that time I had a few gigs already and then I love my experiences so far. So I went with that concentration. Uh, and then I just realized that it's a really emerging, um, field of study um i love it and then i feel like i can make a make a contribution and then there are quite a lot of opportunities in this new field um so i was really glad I, i'm still glad that i went with that concentration i love it that's really cool so let's talk about that move across country yeah you you know you were uh one of the things and and i, I not not many people know the inner workings of um of uh 
searches and recruits and all of that sort of thing. But one of the things that we kind of have to look for um, at Cal Poly when we're recruiting is do they have a connection that might make them want to stay in California, right? And so mm-hmm. we love the fact that you went to Chico, right? Yeah, and you had yeah. a connection with a CSU. And so mm-hmm. um, so you had already done that. Um, you know, you had already moved cross country a couple times, but I still imagine because I remember you telling me your last year you lived in Pittsburgh, right? Which is a pretty big big place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh my wife was working in Pittsburgh, Ernest and Young. Uh, and then I was pretty much working on my dissertation so I can just go there and uh, live with her. Yeah. Uh, it's a big place and it's another football town, you know. Yeah. Uh, our play was so close to the stadium and we can hear the roar. You could hear it, really? Yeah, 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 of course. Um, cool. Yeah, but but still, I love slow. I think when I um, saw the opening, I'm like, it will be great if I can get in, you know, Cal Poly work at Cal Poly and live in yeah. slow. It's a great town. I, I love this small town feeling and just, you know, yeah. dream coming true. Yeah. Did you get a chance to travel down to slow when you were in Chico or not? No, no. Yeah. Okay, but, but you had yeah. heard about it. Yeah. I, I only heard about it. And then of course I did search like um, Google and uh, like the, happiest town in us so uh-huh. like, yeah. <laughs> right 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 well so tell us the story because i remember you telling me the story about when you you guys were first here and you were living in in a tascadero and um i don't remember if it was your parents or if it was autumn's parents they came mm-hmm. to visit and they were like really freaked out by how country how country it was and the the yeah. and how quiet and it was just like but it's such an adjustment for them because they had lived in 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 big urban areas. Yeah. So that would be my wife's parents. Um, yeah, they right. they and they live in Shenyang. It's a bigger town, uh, more urban, uh, and then a Tascadero. That's like a sheer contrast. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they, uh, you know, go out and walk our dog, but they can't see anyone after like a mile. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> they they were kind of like shocked and then uh, the, the house is like so sparsely located and they were kind of a little bit like afraid you know if something happens no one else can hear our right. like, shouting for help right uh, but you know over time and uh it got better and it but still better. uh we moved down to slow which is a little bit busier than a task yeah. Yeah. um yeah <laughs> Yeah, I've been I've been to Kevin's old house and it, it is. It's like a rural road, you know. It's like yeah. you're, you're you're in the country, you know. And so yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I laugh about that because you know, growing up in, in rural North Carolina, you know, it's uh I I know how that is. Like I, I but but you know, I couldn't go walking anywhere because people's dogs would chase you from their hat from their oh. uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> people, people left their dogs. There was no fences or anything like that. Okay. So if you were walking down the road, people's dogs would come and charge you because they're protecting the uh their yeah. you know, 
And Probably, so yeah. it was really stressful to like ride your bike in the country in North Carolina because you'd have a Doberman pincher come running like you could see it coming full speed and it's like, you know, barking and you're like, ah! <laughs> you know? I can't imagine. Yeah, but anyway, so uh-huh. uh, so let's talk about those early years at, at Cal Poly and, and what uh-huh. that was like. Um, y- you know, obviously it it had to be um, really stressful because, you know, you, you, you had a mentor and a, and a RPT chair who mm-hmm. was not very supportive. No. Um, and so that had to be even more stressful. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. I, so I, I had Dr. Greenwood as my chair um, for my RPT committee. And then back then Dr. Bill Hendricks, uh, he was the department chair and uh, yeah. And all the other people in the, like uh, Dr. Joseph Greenwood, Dr. Marty Goldenberg and um, Gary Schwab, Dr. Gary Schwab, like all of them, they were just super nice. Uh, like they showed me the ropes uh, and then I had a lot of questions and they answered those questions and they gave me a lot of tips and suggestions. Uh, I still remember brian and i like we um like have lunch like every friday and then kind of check in and um, that that was really helpful and then i i remember bill uh just he gave me a lot of tips and recommendations on how you know how i teach in a classroom how how to teach better how to interact with students how to solve problems so yeah again i i have i have been so lucky i was surrounded by all all great colleagues and you know people in general and you, you know, I kid. Yeah. Like, uh, like Dr. Lynn, like Dr. Lynn said, um, I was, um, I was his RPT chair for those who don't know what that means. That's a retention promotion and tenure. So every, um, every academic, every professor, um, gets, uh, has a committee that's, that's supposed to, you know, evaluate them, but also support them. And, um, you know, it's one of those type things where we care about uh, we care about each other's success because each other's success means the department's success. And so, um, you know, uh, Dr. Lin was a superstar from the get go. Um, and so uh, that was that was really easy from from our standpoint. And, um, you know, but but it's also it's also tough. It's a transition, right? Cal Poly. I remember very well my first couple of years in the classroom, like, man, they keep you on your toes. And I remember us having some of those conversations like, wow, this is harder than I thought. Right. (laughs) Like this is different. Like I, I taught at NC state and you did similarly at um, Penn state, State. but it's very, it's very different. It's very different. Right. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, talk about what that was like and, and, um, and the adjustment to, 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 you know, a learn by doing institution, a new place, um, you know, yeah. growing a family, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, definitely it was stressful. Uh, and then I had to work really, really hard. Um, and then just, there's, there were so, so many things, not only teaching, like, Back at Penn State, I only had to, you know, teach one class, uh, and then I just had to work on my dissertation. That's pretty much it. Uh, but at Cal Poly, you know, when you're a tenure track uh, assistant 
professor, you have to have multiple publications. You have to write for um, apply for grants. You have to, uh, of, of course, continue publishing. You have to work with your colleagues. You have to do service. So just a lot of things. It could be, and it was intimidating at first. Uh, and then, yeah, I still re- remember like the early years. I, you know, was under pressure, and then I had to work like really, really hard. Uh, which was good, and then I kind of survived. And uh, uh, but you know, I guess that's a state that everyone has to go through. You know, when you first start your career, like everything's new, and you uh, need to learn how to do things, do your job more efficiently. And then that first phase is always hard. But once you get over, you know, that first phase, um, things will get better. Yeah, I love it. And um, and you know, Kevin has always. Um, uh, Dr. Lin has always uh, kept uh, kept uh, the collegiality is one of the things that that I think is um, in in addition to being um, uh, smart as a whip and um, and and really really capable and and knowledgeable as a um, as a teacher as a scholar as a researcher. Um, uh, Dr. Lin is 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 collegial and and always has a smile and and always wants to 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 ask you about what you've got going on and that sort of thing and so um it's uh it was a it was a good uh, survived and thrived uh, is what is what you did and yep. uh, so let's now um let's talk about uh you know we 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 obviously discussed earlier your being named the um interim department head for this yep. academic year um and one huge element of managing that leadership load is something that you've already been intimately involved in, and that's our opening of the Experience Innovation Lab. Yep. Um, we'll have a lab director, and so we'll 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 talk um we'll talk to to Dr. Sandy Shen about that. Um, but yep. give us uh you've been so intimately involved with the development of it. It's been a yep. long time coming, Kevin. Um, sure. Give us your give us your elevator pitch, thirty second elevator pitch for what the Experience Innovation lab is going to do for us okay cool yeah so the lab is about objectively measuring people's experience and then um make changes based on the results because historically we use uh subjective measurement we use surveys and we use interviews to see how people respond to an event to uh an experience um their like experience at a restaurant at a game at a retail shop at a movie theater but a lot of times people are just uh, too busy to answer those questions honestly or they just don't bother they don't want to hurt your feelings so it's really hard to generate meaningful data that would uh, lead to uh, actionable items that can really improve people's experience Um, so we are proposing with our lab with our state-of-the-art equipment that we can um, corroborate um, the traditional uh, subjective measurement of experiences with uh, objective measurements like eye tracking, like wristbands, and other things. And we're hoping we can have EEG down the road. Um, but um, that's another layer um, to measure people's experience. And then we can uh, do experiments. We can manipulate a few factors such as coloring of of the floor of the wall or the smell at a hotel lobby or the sound at a park among other things how they would impact people's experience so and then after that we can 
pinpoint, um, you know, um, a certain genre of music will lead to a better experience and then that could lead to really actionable managerial implications. Love it. Love it. And so uh, <laughs> I think um, I think one of the things we've said is um, from ideation um, from ideation all the way to um, to research and evaluation, um, we're we're and everything in between. Um, that that's how we're going to try to innovate. You know, those those research, cut that cutting edge research, helping the ideation and helping the creation of co creation of experiences, and um, it's yep. so so very exciting, Dr. Lynn. Um, has been um, so so heavily involved with with everything. You know, we were we were talking. I was talking to one of my research assistants this summer, and you know, they were like, "Well, who designed this?" I'm like, "Well, um, actually, we kind of did." You know, uh, <laughs> about and then, but it's like so long ago. It was like well, yeah. like five years ago that we were uh, that we were picturing and and looking at designs and thinking about how it might be. Um, how it might come to fruition. And so we're so excited, um, you know, so excited about that. And mm-hmm. we'd be, uh, we'd be remiss not to say, uh, a thanks to, to our partners and the people who have donated, um, so far, um, uh, most notably, uh, George P. Johnson as a founding partner. Um, and then also visit SloCal has yes. been an integral, um, uh, partner as well. And we appreciate that. What do you mm-hmm. see, um, Kevin, as the most pressing um, problem, challenge, or issue facing um, our experience industry management department moving forward? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and of course, we'll talk more about it uh, at our retreat next month. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we will be. We will yeah, be. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say um, just finding our priorities. Because we have so many friends right now that we should be working on, but we only have limited resources and time. Uh, we have to identify the priorities, like the top one, two, three things that we should work on the most and then get some results on. Because if we don't have our priorities and we work on multiple friends and that would really thin us and we might not yeah. do a, a really good job in any one of them, but if we have, you know, the top three things we want to deliver, then we might, you know, just have those three things done in high quality. Yeah, I think that's really great. And um, I will say as um, uh, in, in critiquing my myself as a host, I didn't do a very good job there with that segue. <laughs> we went from we went from lab to me, like shifting you right back to the department. Uh, no, 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 but, that's uh, fine. but I thought you did, you, you did a great job. Um, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And, you know, I, I think it's something for for those who listen to, to understand and realize, you know, a lot of um, academic departments here on Cal Poly's campus. We we have lots of them, obviously. There's, I, I don't know how many academic departments, but we are one of the smallest in terms of faculty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, uh, that's that's very difficult, right? Like when you think about like, all that's under the experience industry, you know, like each and every day, something new, a new opportunity arises for us. And we're like, uh, I don't know if we can handle that, you know, because we already yep. have so much. Now, don't get don't get us wrong. We have an amazing team and we have amazing students and we're going to keep continuing 
to build um, on those opportunities. So let's shift to those. What what do you see um, as the greatest opportunity for our department moving forward? Yeah, so um, I see so much potential. Um, I was actually thinking about this topic uh, the other day. Like I can, I think that kind of um, relates to um, my message for your listeners, like the current and future EIM students. Um, I think one of them, or, you know, if I speak directly to the audience, one of you will become the next uh, Steve Jobs. One of you will become the next Elon Musk. Just because that change or shift in technology um back then you know they you know all those people they had to have a product right iphones macbooks um tesla cars but as we transition people care more and more about their experiences um so the next billionaire or the next big tesla big apple might be a experience company rather than a product company Okay. And then reason number two. Yeah. Reason number two that one of you will become the next Steve Jobs or Elon Musk is, uh, with AI, artificial intelligence and other developments in technology. This barrier is really kind of eliminated. Like back then you had to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. You had to be a coder, computer science major to launch a business uh, because you need to do the coding yourself you have to do the design prototype yourself but now with ai among other things anyone can do it like you can use natural language to tell the ai to do the coding for you to do the design for you to do the engineering for you so it's more about big ideas it's more about creativity it's more about understanding of human experiences and how to improve human experiences so that's where i think our students will shine and then that's why I think our students will be able to launch your own business and, you know, be the next Steve Jobs. So yeah. I just see so many opportunities and just sky's the limit, really. I love it. I love it. How about how about we say the, the next Elon Musk with a Greta Thunberg uh, uh, ethic towards uh, sustainability and caring 100%. for the planet? You know, hundred percent. Yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. Yes, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. that's, that's so great, Kevin. I really, uh, I really appreciate that perspective and you sharing that. So let's um let let's end on these last two. Um uh, when you when you think back to the beginning of your career, um what do you know now that you wish you'd known then? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um yeah, I guess if I if I'm being really honest here, I would say I wish I knew back then that, you know, family should always come first. Um, you know, back then I kind of worked work really hard and I sacrificed a lot of time with my, my kids, my family. Um, you know, that's again, you know, that's sometimes it's necessary to, you know, go through that, uh, phase, um, so that you can, uh, have, be more efficient at, at what you do. Um, uh, but still sometimes I just wish, you know, I can turn back time and spend more time with my kids. Like, I remember when Ian was like one year old and, uh, you know, I was trying to s- spend time with him, but I just kind of fell asleep on, on the floor. You know, I kind of fell pretty 
guilty. Uh, but you know, again, that's something that I I want to tell your like anyone like just out out there. If you can just kind of balance your you know family and work, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard. But uh, that's you know you should at least you know start thinking about that how you can do a proper balance, like when you've been choosing your career and interacting with your colleagues and your supervisors and how to do a proper balance. I think uh, Dr. Greenwood is teaching a class that is actually centering around work-life balance. That's so important. Yeah, and I I really appreciate that perspective, Kevin. And I I will I will um uh, add in there that um I, I know we have a tendency as parents to to be hard on ourselves and to look back and and sometimes have regret that we weren't there. But I I look at you and I think you're just a fabulous father and um and that you've you've been a a fabulous father for a long time and um and uh yeah I hear you I, I look back and I think so I think about some of those same things and you know even though I teach a class on sociocultural dimensions of work and leisure Yep. Uh, I, I feel like that class keeps it in perspective for me, because if I didn't have that class to teach every uh, every uh, quarter or so, you know, I would I would be inundated sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, and it, it is so hard and um, to, to balance that. And, you know, we um, you know, I imagine um, that you know, one of the things we probably share in similarities in terms of the culture between China and the United States is that Mm -hmm. that hard work ethic type thing, right? Like everyone's kind of taught that work ethic matters most. And it's it's great that these next generations of Chinese and Americans um, uh, are starting to learn, I think, that what you just said, that family you know, when you all look, when you, when it's all said and done, and you look back, um, what did you do for your family? How did yep. you treat your friends? How did you treat other people? Is so so important. So, Definitely. really really appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, last thing, um, you have a unique uh, opportunity here to kind of have the final. I'm going to give you the final say which mm-hmm. I know the listeners are like, you got to be kidding. Greenwood's going to shut up for a second and let uh, <laughs> someone else have, <laughs> have a say. But uh, so what what message do you want to to convey to, um, you, you've already done it to a certain extent, um, but, but, you know, this is a, you get the final word because we're going to, we're going to say goodbye after this. So um, we've got a, a new group of incoming students and then we've got a, just an amazing group of students that are already here. So what do you want to, what do you want to convey to them? What, what do you want to give as your mantra for them? Yes. Um, another great question. Uh, I have two words, um, show up. So that's really important. Uh, I love one saying, it says, um, if you don't show up at the table, you might end up on the menu. Yeah. So you definitely want to show up, participate, get involved, have your voice be heard so that you can, you know, get what you want. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, your competitors will get w- what they want and yeah. you will be left out. Right. Um, so that applies to a lot of things. 
We have so many opportunities at our department. We have conferences that we bring students to, and you get emails, you know, multiple emails a quarter. I encourage you to show up to apply um, to be part of those awesome opportunities. It doesn't matter if you don't get in the first time. You know, keep applying. You know, second time, third time, you know, you will get in. And then we have a lot of、uh, department activities.、Um, we have volunteer opportunities as well, like around slow. Just a lot of you know. We have EIM club. We have ROFI. A lot of club activities. I encourage everyone to show up, to be involved, to be there.、Um, let your voice be heard, and then come to my office hours. Come to Dr. Greenwood's office hours, and just come to us. Like. Talk to us if you have any problems. Let us know.、Uh, if you want to play golf, let us know. We'll be more、That's、than happy. Right. To play, That's like, right. That's right. We need、uh, two more. We need two more to make a foursome. So、uh, yeah, yeah, we、right. love to play like a、uh, students、yeah. versus professors and a scramble. You know that 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 will be really awesome. But yeah, just show up and then you. I can guarantee you, you will learn so much. You get so、mm-hmm. many benefits if you show up. Ah、uh, well. I want to.、Um, I'm going to get you something for your office with that. I love it. Show up. That's great. I want to. I think I want to put that back here in my office too. Maybe yeah, we yeah. should all just put that up. That should be the mantra. Show up because it really.、Uh, you know, I said I was going to give you the last word, but、mm-hmm. I love those two last words so much because、mm-hmm. it's so so true. It's no matter what you're in, right? Y- yeah, um, and, and that doesn't mean show up and not be engaged, right? You can come to class and you did not actually show up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you that that's not showing up.、Uh, mm-hmm. Coming to class is just the first step. Showing up is、uh, being engaged, and I love it. I、yep. cannot,、uh, I cannot love it anymore. So.、Uh, Thank、yeah. you so much, Doctor Lin. Thank you so much, Kevin.、Yeah. Um, you are,、um, you are, like I said earlier, an amazing colleague, an amazing friend, and I know you're going to be an amazing leader、um, uh, with this department、um, for、uh, the academic year. And uh, just, uh, just so excited for for what we have in store. Great. Thanks again for having me. Yeah.